its owner. Hong Kong has more than a million people aged 65 or over, almost 14% of the total population. As investors grow older, they have to face difficult investment decisions that we don't have to think about earlier in life. This is because the elderly generally have smaller incomes and less time to recover from financial setbacks than when they were younger. So retired investors become more sensitive to risk. But it's not possible to take no risk. Without risk, elderly investors face the possibility of running out of money later on in life. So there's a careful balance. Elderly investors must choose an investment portfolio that matches their risk tolerance, but at the same time provides sufficient potential for growth. How do you do this? Joining me now is Tariq Dennison, Investment Advisor at GFM Asset Management. Good morning, Tariq. Thank you for having me, Peter. So if you're elderly and you've retired, what sort of considerations should you take into account in your investment portfolio? Well, I think as you were mentioning the balance between risk and return, one of the bigger mistakes I see is actually not taking enough risk. Many, uh, It's very easy to forget that when you retire, let's say at the age of 65, it's not as though you need all of that money right away. It's quite likely with a life expectancy of 85 or 90 that you're going to be living in retirement for another 20 or 25 years. So you still have the time horizon to be investing in long-term investments that have higher rates of return, uh, definitely not cash. So the problem is, of course, we don't know how long we're going to live. We hope that it's going to be for a long time. So we have to find a balance, don't we, between making sure that you don't run out of money, but then at the same time making sure that you still have money to spend on the things that you want to do in your retirement. How do you achieve that? Exactly. And there are many rules of thumb for, for how to achieve that balance. Very often you'll hear of something called the 4% rule or the 6% rule. And very often this will be something along the lines of every million dollars that you've saved, you're going to uh, take out $50,000 per year to live off of and leave the rest in there to keep compounding and, and earning a return so that you won't run out of money over time. Now, a far more conservative version of that is to only spend the interest and only spend the rental return on your on your investments and never spend the principal. That, of course, will make sure that you never run out of money, but it could also mean that you don't spend enough in your, in your, in your retirement years. So if you want low risk, what are your choices? Well, the biggest mistake in trying to get low-risk investments is to simply not take enough risk. But the better approach really is to diversify your risk and spread your risk around. One of the more popular choices of wealthy elderly investors in Hong Kong is to simply buy property, and especially buy property in Hong Kong, or maybe they might diversify by buying property in the UK. But many of them don't spread out enough into looking at US stocks and Japanese stocks, European stocks, and other different markets, or into buying bonds that can pay higher rates of return than just the Hong Kong I-bonds here in Hong Kong. Kong. So if you do have a property already, there's a possibility of a reverse mortgage, isn't there? Are these are these suitable products for the elderly? Well, the important thing to understand about uh, about reverse mortgages is what exactly you're paying for them. Basically, what are you going to be receiving from the bank, from the reverse mortgage product provider, and how much you're actually giving back? In the United States, you may have heard there was a scandal around reverse mortgages because the effective interest rate being charged to people who were taking them out was in the high teens, around 14 to 17%. And that's the thing that... Um, uh, Hong Kong people who take out reverse mortgages on their fully paid properties need to watch out for that they don't pay too much and they understand what they're actually paying for. And of course, you have to bear in mind that although you're getting a monthly payout over a certain period, with each payout, the bank owns a larger share of your property. Well, technically, they don't own it. Technically, it is a loan. Technically, they you, what you're doing is you are taking a fully paid for property and you're effectively borrowing against it again and you're, and you're loading payments for them. Now, there are different terms for them. Sometimes they're meant so that they can provide 
payments for life and that if the bank actually ends up paying more money than the property is worth, the bank may eat that loss. I haven't looked enough at, at uh, enough different reverse mortgages here in Hong Kong to see how many of them are written that way. So it's very important to, to look at the fine print. And what schemes do we have in Hong Kong that are particularly suitable for the elderly? Well, in terms of investment, unfortunately, not that many. Um, one thing I think Hong Kong was very much geared for was a very high growth and, and uh, development uh, st- stage of, uh, of its economy. And I think having China next door and still having this idea of growth and development has sort of hindered Hong Kong's move towards what Japan, Western Europe and the US have already had to do. When considering the now 15% of the population that's over the age of 65, how are they going to have adequate fixed income investments and, and other things to purchase rather than just simply... Uh, high-fee insurance-based products, which in my view are really not suitable. Now, the government has tried to launch a couple of products. Last year, there were silver bonds for senior citizens aged 65 or above. Um, So you have an investment product with a return really double that of I-bonds, which are available for everyone. Are these attractive investments for the elderly? I would say they're definitely worth considering. For many elderly investors, they may still be too safe, as, as odd as that may sound. Um, whenever you build a portfolio, it's important to diversify into different asset classes, to have some bonds, some stocks, some real estate, some alternative assets. So for the bond portion, by all means, if you qualify for that higher rate of return and can buy the silver bonds, buy, you know, by all means, buy them. And from what I understand, they're looking to launch an annuity version of these as well, where they guarantee income for life. And for many, that may be a very uh, core part of their longevity insurance. And what about annuities? We do have now um, a a public annuity scheme that provides an option for for retirees to invest a a lump sum in, in exchange for a guaranteed monthly income. Can you explain how annuities work for listeners? Exactly. Annuities are, uh, in theory, very, very similar to bonds. And in many Western countries, there are no government-sponsored annuities, but rather they're issued by private insurance companies. When uh, you give a lump sum of money to the annuity provider, it can be an insurance company, or in this case, it's the Hong Kong government. Uh, For every $1 million that you give to the Hong Kong government, they will give you 5,800 Hong Kong dollars per month as a cash flow. Now, it's very important to to remember that that's not purely an income. Part of that is a return of part of your million dollars. And part of that is, of course, at risk that if you die too soon, uh, you will not have received as much back as, as you put in. But what it is is protection that you're going to get that income for the rest of your life, even if you live to be 120. Which represents a return of, of up to 7%, which is if you invest the full amount, the 1 million Hong Kong dollars, that's a pretty good return in these days of, of low interest rates, isn't it? So that could be a consideration as part of your investment portfolio. Although when you talk about suitability, that's the big red flag I would raise. And that's the thing I wish the Hong Kong government would be clear about. It's not a 7% rate of return unless you live forever. If you die uh, the next year, your rate of return will be minus 93%. If you live 10 years, your rate of return will be lower and so on and so forth like that. The actual rate of return depends on how long you live and it will never be 7%. And finally, one thing that we always need to think about, we've talked about it many times on products, is the the fees. What does it actually cost um, and what are you paying in fees for some of these products? It becomes even more important when you're elderly, doesn't it? Uh, I think it's important at any age, and that's one of the, the things Hong Kong really needs to improve on. The nice thing about the government-sponsored ones is that the fees can, in theory, be far lower. But we shouldn't aim for necessarily zero fees. More importantly, it's about understanding the fees of which product you're getting, what service you're getting for the fees that you pay, and how do they compare for different alternatives. Tariq, thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. That was Tariq Dennison, Investment Advisor from GFM Asset Management. We'll be heading into December next week. With Christmas just around the corner, I'll help you budget for the festive season. Jimmy Lam will speak to a taxi driver to understand his financial worries. 
And in our investment segment, I'm going to look at the Chinese bond market, an area that's been very much in focus in recent weeks in the financial markets. So please do join Jimmy and me next Saturday at the same time. In the meantime, this is Peter Lewis hoping you have a great weekend. Bye for now.